And so this morning, uh, I want to just continue in our teaching. And as I continue uh, and we begin to look at the uh, next thing that we want to reset in our lives, I began to think about two men, two men. One was a man by the name of Jed Clampett. And the other one is a man by uh, Thurston Howe III. Now, I want to make sure that you're with me this morning. So how many of you know who Jed Clampett, Clampett is? What show was he on? So Jed Clampett was a rich, he was a, he was a, he was a poor man, and he was hunting for some rabbits, and he discovered oil. And they said, Jed, move away from here. California is the place you ought to be. So they loaded up the truck, and they moved to? They moved to Beverly Hills, there he is. Swimming pools, movie stars, the Beverly Hills. So, so Jed became a rich man. He was in an environment of wealth, but he still acted like he was a poor man. I think about Jed Clamp. And then the other one I think about is Thurston Howe III. Thurston Howe, he was, on, he was on a show. And what was the name of the show he was on? Gilligan's Island. And Thurston Howe III, he was a rich man, but they were shipwrecked on an island. Money had no value at all. He was as poor as everybody else on the island. But you know how he lived or how he thought? Although he was in a poor environment, he still thought like a rich man. And so I think about those two men, particularly in contrast. And, and what it tells me is that... Uh, it paints a picture of our identity. It paints a picture of our uh, relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. Is that God has created us and made us. Um, and the Bible says he's given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So we have everything that we need when we accept Jesus as the Lord of our lives. And I, I love one translation. It, uh, in, in the book of uh, Matthew, it tells us that he has given us the kingdom and a kingdom, if we break that word out, a king and a dome. King means ruler, dome means dominion. And so he has given us, and he says the kingdom of God is within you. So what is within us? The ability to rule and the ability to have dominion. And how do we have dominion? We have dominion with our words. And so as we begin to continue uh, in our series, Reset, that's what I want to really talk about today. I want to talk about our words. And there's a particular passage that we want to take a look at. It's in Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. And champions, I'd like for you to read this together. Would you read this together now? On the things that make for harmony and the growth of our fellowship together. Let us concentrate on the things that make for harmony and the growth of our fellowship together. Now, I want to go back to one particular passage, and this passage is a foundational passage for this series. It's in Matthew chapter 29, verse 35 and 36, and then we're going to come back to this particular um, a passage. Let's read that in 2 Chronicles, rather, verse 29, uh, chapter 29, verse 35 and 36. Let's read it together now. So the service of the temple of the Lord was reestablished. 
Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought up for his people because it was done. Okay, so we look here at that the whole function of re re resetting in, in the word reestablished. So what Hezekiah did is Hezekiah began to bring order to worship. Um, the king could bring things in and take things out. And so the king before him served idols. And when Hezekiah at 25 years old became king, he began to take the idols out of the worship, uh, out of the temple, and he restored it to its original state. And when he reset order in place, the Bible tells us that uh, God began to move upon the people and they began to rejoice because what he had promised, he began to do it quickly. Now, so this tells us that even from creation, even right now, that God blesses order. God never blessed chaos. So as a result, we recognize then that things have a natural tendency to drift toward chaos unless they are brought into order. Uh, if you look at a, a, a gardener, a garden, if it's unattended, it will become, it will, it will drift toward chaos. Have you ever had a, uh, you ever seen like your yard or your yard, uh, at a certain part of the season, it could get a fungus or it could have grub worms. And those grub worms eat the root of the, of the grass. And so you have these huge dead spots. And, and when you rake it, it's like, no grass at all. And that grass doesn't grow back there unless you do something. But what will grow back are weeds. And so unless you treat what is happening to the root, then you do not see the beauty in what the intended purpose of that very thing was. So what we recognize then is that he says that, uh, that Hezekiah reset. And so we began to say that there are some things that we need to reset about our own lives. Number one, our thinking. But then also, when we look at this, there's another thing that we need to reset about our lives. We need to reset our words, our words. And so in, it's, it's really um, uh, important then that we recognize that as we communicate one among uh, another, that we are very careful about we, what we say about one another, and we are very careful about what we say about God. Uh, and so the Bible tells us one more time in Philippians, it tells us this, it says that, um, let us concentrate, so our thoughts, on the things that make for harmony and the growth of our fellowship together. Let us concentrate, so we're gonna concentrate then what we're gonna do is we're gonna think. We're gonna think, we're gonna think on the things that make for harmony, make for harmony. And when we think on those things that make for harmony, it then now causes the growth of our fellowship and as we grow together. And so the Bible tells us that any attitude that causes disunity is considered sin. Any attitude that causes disunity is sin. And so God blesses his way of doing things. God blesses order. So as we reset our thinking, we also want to reset our words. Reset our words. Now, let's get into this. Our words are so powerful, and we know that they're powerful because our life is shaped by our words. And uh, we look at it right now. Our lives are shaped by the words that we have spoken, 
Our lives are shaped by the words that have been spoken over us, and our lives are shaped by the words that have been spoken to us. And if we really think about that, people with confidence, people with no confidence, gain confidence simply by the words that they've had spoken to them. And a person who had a lot of confidence can lose their confidence simply by the words that have been spoken to them. And so words are so powerful. And uh, what's interesting for us to note is that words are not equally weighted. They're not equally weighted. Because you could say something positive to someone, but then you say something negative to someone, and what do they remember? They remember the negative. So you have to say a whole lot of positives to uh, make up for that one negative. And so we recognize then that uh, words are not equally weighted. And so negative words have more weight in our lives than positive words. <laughs> Give you an example. Uh, there was, uh, there was uh, someone that I was, uh, I was talking to, uh, it was a couple of years ago, and I, and I was talking to them. They were um, a young person, and I just saw so much potential in them. And I, I just like began to say, wow, you know, you are amazing. I can see your future, and I can see the things that you're going to be able to accomplish. Uh, and I just began to speak uh, very encouraging words to them because it was true. And you know what they, what they looked at me, and they said that... Uh, you know, thank you for saying that. Um, thank you for saying that. But I wish my wife would say that to me. So what we recognize is not only are words, words are not equally weighted, but the source. Hmm. But the source of those words aren't equally weighted. See, someone that is a friend of yours can say something to you, but it does not have the same weight as your wife your husband, your mother, or your father saying the same thing. Mm. So, so it's, it's critical, critical then that we know that the greater the influence, the more weight our words carry. The greater the, influ the influence, the, the greater uh, the weight that our words carry. Um, the last thing that I want to share with you in this particular area is that, first of all, we see that words are not equally weighted. The source isn't equally weighted. And then thirdly, the times of recovery isn't equally weighted. So how, I mean, have you ever said something to someone and you go, man, I apologize, I'm sorry. And then they're still mad and you're like, you know, I told you I'm sorry, so why are you still mad? Why are you still angry? It, it, see, see, just because you said I'm sorry doesn't mean that, it, that the time of recovery is at the moment that you apologize for the very thing that you said. So the time of recovery uh, isn't equally weighted. <laughs> so uh, what we recognize then is that we rarely forget hurtful words and we rarely remember encouraging words. We rarely forget. So we're going to go to the book of James and we're going to uh, look in the book of James out of the NIV, uh, the book of James. Would you turn there in the book of James chapter 3? And we're going to begin to look at this this thing called words, because, you know, God's really been, 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 been speaking to me even about the words. Uh, and, you know, there's sometimes I'm jo I joke and sometimes I'm sarcastic about some things in, in a joking way. And, um, and God's just been really dealing with me on that. Uh, 
And, and, and typically when I'm in a very um, professional environment, I am usually um, one of the individuals that can speak in a very encouraging way. But you know what? I love to joke. I love to have fun. I don't like to watch a lot of serious programs on TV. Life is too serious. I want to watch something that's funny. And so I watch, uh, I watch uh, The Neighborhood. I watch Blackish. And, and so I don't, I don't like Law and Order. I, I don't watch, I just don't, no murder shows. Sorry, I know some people love those shows. I don't watch Scandal, it's too serious for me. But I watch funny shows. I like to laugh uh, in, in, my, in my spare time. So, but 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 doesn't mean that you have to be sarcastic. Because how many of you know that sarcasm has destroyed a lot of relationships? A lot of friendships. And so let's begin to look here at the word of God as he says in the book of James, chapter 3, verse 2. Now notice what it says. It says that we all stumble in many ways. So all of us stumble, and we stumble in a lot of different ways. But notice this, what he says here. In, we all stumble in many ways, but anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So the Bible says that if you do not say stuff or stumble in your words, you can keep your whole body in check. My gosh, look at the power of your words. That if you watch what you say, guard what you say, you can keep your whole body in check. Now we saw last week that the only way to get the body to do what it does is that the what has to agree with it. The mind has to agree with it. Notice your tongue, notice your words. It brings your thought acts, uh, thoughts into action that causes your body to act. And so what we recognize then is that we all stumble in many ways, but anyone who is never at fault, anyone who doesn't stumble in the words that they say is perfect and they're able to keep their whole body in check. Now, James starts giving us a couple of examples of that. Well, James, well, give me an example. What do you mean? that my, my words are so powerful and that if I don't, uh, how powerful are they? And so James began to give us several examples and I'm gonna show those to you in verse three. In verse three, let's read that together. Let's read it together now. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can... He says, when we put bits into the mouth of a horse, think about that. How small a bit is, but a bit can control what? A horse. So small, but yet so powerful. It can control the whole animal. Notice what he says. He says that the bit in the mouth can cause them to obey. That turns the whole body. And so it's such a small thing, but it has such a great and significant Influence. Now, he doesn't stop right there. He gives us another example in verse 4. And he says it, or take ships as an example. Take the ships as an example, he says. 
And you know those ships, and not the ships we have today, but those ships in, in, in ancient ships, that they were huge, they had these sails, but, 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 and, and they could be controlled by the winds, but notice where the greatest power was. Let's read that together in verse four. Now, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So notice this, you've got these massive ships, but yet they are controlled by a small rudder that can turn a huge ship to the left, a huge ship to the right, a small rudder. And he says, so think about that. Just think about that, what a ship does and what controls it. Now you've got strong winds that can move it, but you know what? The winds are not more powerful than this little small rudder that can direct the ship exactly where he wants it to go or she wants it to go. Now, James says, is that not a good enough example for you? Let me give you another one. So in verse five, <laughs> he says, likewise the tongue is a small part of the body, but it make great boasts. So he says that the tongue is a small part of the body, just like the bit in the mouth of the horse that toes, turns the whole body, just like the rudder that's on a ship that turns this huge ship. He says your tongue is the small part of the body and it make great boasts. Now, 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 I don't want to gross you out, but the tongue, man, it's, a, it's a, probably the ugliest part of your body. But you notice the tongue, it has so many nerves. You bite your, have you ever bitten your tongue? Oh my gosh, it's been a long time. Thank you, Lord. But you bite your tongue, oh my gosh, it hurts and hurts and hurts and hurts. It bleeds. And you know what? For a day or two, it's hard to eat without feeling the pain. And do you know what? Uh, it can absorb and hold stuff for days, for days, for days. I mean, smells. You know, if, if, if you smoke a, a cigarette or a cigar, I mean, no matter how much you brush your teeth, it's still going to be there after you finish brushing your teeth. And it's the tongue that absorbs and holds a small, ugly thing that has so much power to control our own bodies. Now, look at this. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Let's read. Let's, let's look at the uh, following. Consider. Hold on for a second. It says the tongue is a small part of the body. It makes great boasts. Consider, look at that. Oh my God. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So he says now, think about it. You know we've had like thousands of acres that have been burned. Thousands of acres that have caused a lot of damage. Thousands of acres. Does anyone, no, I, I can't ask that now. I've talked about smoking. I was going to ask if anyone had a lighter, but does anyone have a lighter? <laughs> not that you smoke or a match, not that you smoke, but that, you know, you know what it is, is like you use them to light the fire at the house or candles. You know how you love the atmosphere and you, nobody has a lighter. Okay. All right. Father, show me who it is. <laughs> Okay, so notice this, a small, a small spark. Think about it, a match can cause this. 
something so small that can cause so much damage. And he's comparing our tongue to the damage that a forest fire causes. Now, when we look at that, then we recognize that he didn't stop there. And in verse 6, he says, the tongue also is a fire. Mm. <laughs> a world of evil among the parts of the body. So it's a fire. And it's a world. Well, world, this little thing is a world. It's that influential of the body. And it's a, he says that it's an evil uh, part of the body. Uh, and, and notice this next one. It corrupts the whole body. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Now notice this. He says that, look, your tongue is like fire and it corrupts not just somebody else, but it corrupts your whole body. Now, your tongue can bless you as well. Your mouth and your words can bless you. We'll talk about that uh, in the weeks to come. But, but he says he's talking about what the consequences of an untamed tongue is. And he says that it, it, it corrupts your whole body. So if it corrupts your body, it has to corrupt your mind. And when it corrupts your mind, it corrupts your body. And, it's, and not only does it corrupt your body, but it destroys your entire life simply by these small words that we speak. When we look at that, then we recognize that James says that our tongue is evil and it sets the courses of our life. But notice this in verse 7. It's interesting that he tells us what we have power over. He says, all kinds of animals, come on, read that with me, church, together, now. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed. Look, you've got the power to tame sea creatures. You've got the top power to tame animals and birds and reptiles. You have the power to tame all of that stuff. So we don't have to worry about animals taking over the world. Why? It's because we've got the power. Isn't it great to be that powerful? But notice this in this next verse. He says it like this. But no human being can tame the tongue. Wait a minute now. You mean I can, I, I can tame a giraffe? I can train, a, tame a water buffalo? I can go bear hunting with a switch? But yet I cannot tame my own tongue? Oh my gosh. He says that your tongue is a restless evil. And it's full of poison. Oh my gosh. It's restless. It's, 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 it never. <laughs> I read that the muscles in our tongue, I think it was like eight muscles. It has a lot of nerves, but it has eight muscles. Those muscles never get tired. <laughs> they never get, your tongue never gets tired. It'll talk, 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 talk. All day and all night long. It doesn't get tired. <laughs> so it's restless. And it's full of deadly poison. Now, when we look at that, we say that uh, James doesn't say anything else after he says this in this verse, in verse 9. In verse 9, he says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and, fa Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. He says that what we do is actually we stand between two opinions and that we'll come in and we'll worship. Oh, God, you are good. 
Oh, how beautiful is your name. We magnify you. And then we can go out, get in the car, and start fussing with the people that are driving with us. He says that we come in and we worship. We magnify the Lord. But we go out and we will curse those, talk about them, what they did not do, what they did, or what did not happen that you thought should have happened. And you negate all of that worship, all of that praise. And I go, gosh, James, I'm sure glad we're getting to a point in this particular passage where you're going to give us some good news. Because you've just been talking about all the things. It's so small. It's full of fire. It has great influence. It, it, it can affect your thoughts. It affects your body. It, it determines your life, your words, your words, your words, your words. And then he says, no man can tame his tongue. But yet if I could tame my tongue, that it would... It would direct my whole body. And James starts telling us all this stuff about our tongue and not being able to contain uh, 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 our words and tame our words. And it's like, James, come on, give us some good news. But then after this particular verse, he goes on and starts talking about something else. He doesn't tell us. He doesn't tell us what we need to do. But notice this. One of the things that we really do need to do is this. He doesn't give us any solutions. But he tells us we're never safe, and it's a constant thing that we have to be on guard of what we are saying. We have to really capture our words because our words are so powerful. Our words are so powerful. They have the ability to create situations, circumstances over someone else as well as our lives. Jasmine, our daughter, she's really careful about words. And I've heard her talk to people, and they might say something, and she says, don't say that over my life. I don't don't speak that over. I mean, she won't even let that whole sentence of someone else gets out when she when it's in disagreement with what she feels God has called her and how He has created us. She'll say it in a New York second. That's, in case of you have never been in New York, that's pretty fast. <laughs> and so, one of the things that we can you imagine then that what happens then if that our tongue has that powerful? How can we switch that on the enemy and move it to a place of blessing? To a place of blessing. And so what I want to encourage you to do there now is a couple of things. One is because our tongue can't be tame and it's so unpredictable. It's a dangerous little thing that we can't control. James, what we have just read in, these particular, in this particular passage is he helps us to understand the significance of our words. The significance of our tongue. But one of the things we want to do is as we leave this place, what we have to ask ourselves, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? How do we handle this? So I'm going to ask you to do three very simple things. Again, remember I wanted to speak into your future. We were doing that over the next several weeks. Then I also wanted to drop some knowledge on you. We've kind of seen how the significant our tongue is. And then thirdly, I want to make it practical. So I'm going to ask you to do three things. Number one is I'm going to ask you to remember the power of your words. So this week as you go, begin to guard your, 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 your words. Begin to guard your words. And, I, and I'm going to ask you to remember the power of your words. That's the first thing I'll ask you to do. The second thing I'll ask you to do is to submit to the Holy Spirit. Submit to the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, I'll ask you to confess your sins. If it's untainable, they're un, uh, untamable, there are some things that you're going to say that's going to affect your thoughts. It's going to affect what you do. But then also that there are things you're going to say that's going to hurt the life of someone else. 
And so it's important then that we say, um, I've got I've to confess my sins. I've got to confess when I've done it. And not only to the person, but also to, to the Lord. Because he says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and, and seek my face and turn, repent, then will I hear from heaven, I'll heal their land. And I love this particular passage. He says, my eyes and my ears will be upon that place from the beginning of the year all the way to the end. 